90% of your content that you've created should be on someone else's platform and 10% goes on your website. This is Three Marketers Walk Into A Podcast, episode 29. You're listening to Three Marketers Walk Into A Podcast, brought to you by the fine folks at Response Suite. There you go, that was my assertive voice. Did you enjoy it? Very good. It was lovely, wasn't it? I thought <laughs> I'd drum that right into your ear hole. Welcome back, dear listener. I'm Rob, this is Kennedy. Hello. From Response Suite. Very excited to be back here for yet another week and another episode at Three Marketers Walk Into A Podcast. As you know, we are massive fans of content. Content marketing is taking over the world. Everyone's doing it, but how much should you be doing? Where should you be doing it? There's lots of questions to be asked, aren't mm. there? So we thought we would branch out our international leg of the uh, Three Marketers Walk Into A Podcast. And today we have uh, a lovely French guest on. We do. French, but lives in Newcastle down the road from us. So <laughs> not only is he French, but he's also local. Exactly. How very nice is that? I actually, I've known Pascal for quite a few years now. We, here's the funny story about Pascal. I was once hired to be an actor in a, an educational show, an educational video, which was teaching students how to use French in everyday life. And it was sort of to inspire people to take up languages. The only problem with that was I don't speak French. So you know, Le the, chat est sur la table. Uh, you know, le petit pois dans la chambre, which means the peas are in the bedroom. I don't know why the peas are in the bedroom. It's the only thing I can say. <laughs> but they are. There's peas on the, the peas are in the bedroom. The cat's under the table. It sounds like we're invoking some secret mission. <laughs> it does, like a, some kind of witch's spell. Good word. Interesting. So Pascal's been really around the content world for quite a long time. He's been consulting people, and he's been really helping people figure out their content marketing strategy. Because it's really easy to say, well, I should be doing a blog and making a podcast and doing all these different things. Things. Where should you be doing it? How do you get traction? How are you not just throwing more stuff on the internet? And that's what I'm going to talk to Pascal about right now. Pascal, my man, how are you? I am very, very good. So pleased to be with you two. I know we're really excited. And Pascal and I have been friends for when was the last time I actually saw you, Pascal? Well, physically, um, we probably saw each other, I would say, give or take, eight years ago now. Eight years ago. It's when, you were when I was only 70. Horrible, man. <laughs> yes. Um, Pascal, I'm so excited to be here and with you. And what I'm really excited to learn about, obviously, you are really in the what I'm going to call the trenches. It makes it sound awful. But of course, the beautiful trenches, if there are such a thing, um, of this thing where everybody calls content marketing. Everyone's bleating on about it. Here we are creating some indeed. Um, but where does, for you, where does this infamous thing that we call content marketing actually fit in to the sales and marketing process? Do you know that's interesting you should use the term infamous uh, because I've been kind of for promoting and banging the drum about content creation from the get-go, probably from the, the late 90s. Wow. And then it's carried on, you know, as you go through the evolution of email marketing, SEO, social media, and so on. And I came across the term content marketing, I would say, in and around 2010, 2011. I think it was in and around the time of Geopolizzi and the Content Marketing Institute. Yes. And I kind of welcomed the term to begin with. And I thought that might make my job be easier if I can get rid of all the technical mumble jumbo and talk about content marketing mm. because ultimately you will have to be a very odd business and marketer to argue against me that content is not good for you to grow your business and your brand then I was really interesting but now fast forward to 2018 when you and I are talking to each other I'm not so sure the term is as helpful as um, it was meant to be back in the days <gasps> Shark um, horror. What? I know, step, I know, step away from your wireless <laughs> ladies and gentlemen um, what do you mean? What, what you, 
What, 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 do, what, what do I mean? I mean that human nature takes over. And what has been happening for the last two years um, is the fact that people have tried to automate content marketing to make ah. it as easy as possible for themselves and in the process getting lesser results. So what you're um, saying is bloody marketers break everything. Yes, as uh, our non-good friend Gary Vaynerchuk would say. So what I'm trying to uh, pr- present to you is this idea that there's going to be an evolution. There's going to be a reaction to what's been happening. And my point to you and your listeners is that content marketing is not here to serve sales and marketing. It is here to serve reputation management. And when we think about reputation and the work that I do with my customers, I try and find ways to showcase three qualities via the internet. Number one, your customer service. Number two, your common sense. And number three, your, your communication skills. And therefore, I see, I predict a transition here, right there today. I predict that customer service is going to take over the running of content, content marketing within the next 18 months. That is a prediction. You heard it here first, folks. Uh, wow. Okay. So, so where does it, so in terms of where it fits into how we serve people and how we use content to, to actually move towards a sale or not even a sale, but to building our business, where does it fit in and what kind of content does that mean? Okay, so if we go back to the essence of you know what we're trying to do here, which is to establish trust and to become a trusted supplier in a very busy, noisy marketplace, the aim of reputation management and therefore content marketing as a vehicle is to be seen and heard being helpful. And if you can be seen and heard being helpful before someone becomes a customer, whilst they are making their mind about whether or not you should be their supplier and after they've used your services, then you're truly using content marketing to its fullest. So if we go back to, you know, people can Google this if they want the McKinsey customer journey, but Mm -hmm. essentially before, during and after. And everybody's used the term after sales care. I want to suggest that we should also be using before sales care during sales care and after sales care. And that gives you the whole spectrum of activity that goes under the banner, if you will, of content marketing. So with that in mind, then, what sort of objectives should we set ourselves for content marketing? Because I really like that idea that actually, let's, let's take care of people long before they're a customer. And that's what our content is designed to do. That makes a lot of sense. So what are the kind of objectives we can set for that content marketing? All right. Well, this question makes me um, reflect on the work that I do with, with my customers. And we break down our objectives into three main categories. There's the commercial objectives. And essentially, we're looking at, you know, are we increasing sales? Are we increasing inquiries? Are we increasing goodwill? I mean, you know, if you do a customer service um, survey, are, are people actually saying that they like dealing with you in general before, during and after? So the commercial kind of objective need to be there. They are very important. But I also set my customers operational objectives, whereby I want them, them to regularly review the processes and systems they have in place in and around content creation for the before, during, and after phases. And that's really important. We have to find ways to be more efficient in our effort to create information. And then I also set them personal objectives, whereby I want them to stretch themselves as content creators and content editors. And you could say, for example, you know, an objective could be this year or 2019, let's start with video for the first time. 
And okay. if that's already in place in 2019, let's begin with webinars and so on. So that you as individuals and professionals, you also grow as much as you do with the business. Fascinating. Thank you for that. We want to move now into one of our first games of this episode. And this is the true or false round. We are going to give you three different statements and we'd like you to try and predict, guess or use your intuitive insight as to whether what I'm saying is true. One fact, it's a load of what, as you said, mumbo jumbo. So here's your first one, Pascal. 78% of marketers say their organization views content as a business asset. Um, that's false. The, low, the figure is lower according to my sources. It is false. You are correct. So you, uh, you're you half right. And the actual number is 92% according to Grace's okay. sources. So uh, that's interesting. So maybe as a median, it might be right. <laughs> that's correct. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, next one, 72% of people would rather use video to learn about a product or service. That's true. It's it right, true. right on the bell there. Loved it. Okay, so conversion rates are four times higher for companies and brands using content marketing than those that aren't. I believe the figure is higher, but I would say, yeah, the conversion is higher if you use content marketing. Yeah, it's six times. You're absolutely right. That was false. It's six times higher. Indeed. Very, very cool. Now, lots of people create content because they know that they should be creating content because lovely people like you are going out saying you should be creating content and serving your market. And the problem is that sort of does lead, I guess, to people using automated bots to like find content from stuff and all those problems you talked about before. So that makes sense. So instead of creating content because, oh, we should be creating content, how can somebody decide what content they should be creating to actually not only serve their market, but I guess kind of join up the process for, the, for, for turning some visitors into uh, customers? No, you're right. The decision is very important because, you know, you could be wasting time in, 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 uh, in the wrong pursuit. So what I tend to do is put a system in place for them and share their workload, you know, the time budget between two main areas of content. One, which is promotional content designed to convert someone who's interested. And the other, which is social content, which is there to actually create interest from you know, kind of the before and during stages. Under promotion, you need to create information about your product and services. You need to provide some case studies, show evidence that you've done this before. You have to also put forward your your team. So therefore, the about section or meet the team section is vastly important. People tend to undervalue that. And then you have to make those famous calls to action as appealing as possible in, in using different, different methods from visuals to uh, evidence and so on and so forth. When it comes to social content, we're lucky because the likes of Facebook Yahoo, YouTube, and Google, and the more have kind of shared data with us since 2013. And we know that there are four categories of social content that's going to work well for you. One would be the industry news roundup. And I mean, the industry of your customers that you're serving, not your own. Um, company updates, what have you been up to? Are you still an ongoing concern? Uh, need to share advice, answer those questions, the how-tos and, and more, and offer some free downloads. And the free downloads is the one that people don't do enough. And therefore, I would highly recommend people concentrate on that moving forward. So once you know that this is the blueprint, then what you have to do is spend some time to listen to your customers' aspirations for the future and the anxieties in the present, you know, the famous uh, kind of two forces, which is why I was arguing the earlier that customer service is probably going to take a lead on content marketing because you have to 
walk in the shoes of your customers to make those wise decisions on which content to focus on. It's really, really interesting. So we're talking about all these things we need to do. And by the way, I love that. I've just written something down here on my pad, which is that idea of having a time budget. I love mm-hmm. that idea. I mean, I've not even heard that before in my life. So I think that's a great, a great term about us all only having a, we have a very strict budget of time. We really do. It's much more strict than, you know, we can get investors to bring us more financial budget or we can, we can change our financial budgets within the organization. But actually, time budget is one of those things that's much more strict unless, again, we, we employ people to sort of take care of that. So uh, that's, that's amazing. So we're talking about all these things, which obviously do take time and they eat into our time budget. And we want to make sure it performs for us. So what kind of KPIs can we be setting to actually measure the effectiveness of our content marketing? Mm, the famous key performance indicators. Well, listen, the way in which I suggest people look at it is to really go back to content marketing and how it really, really works. So what we want to do here, number one, is to be, become more visible to people who don't know we exist yet. So your visibility stage, as I call it. Next, now that they know that, that we exist, they're going, they're going to check us out. You know, the job of a customer is to avoid making a poor decision and appoint the wrong supplier. Mm. So the next stage is your credibility. You know, what is the content doing? terms of my reaction to the word to the images and videos to for me to believe in you or not but the third stage which is really important is that of interactivity you've got to give access to you and you've got to be seen and heard being helpful by actually interacting with your audience by answering their questions or offering information so it's not just about like putting stuff out there it really is about that interactive engagement of actually talking with people and creating public conversations right because there's a big difference right that's right. And if you don't do that, you will not convert. I can guarantee that in 2019, 2020, your audience has been kind of let down before by good content crafters who are there to mislead and, and kind of let um, under deliver, if you, if you will. And there's a chap that you, you guys will know called John, John Lee Dumas, who does obviously the Entrepreneurs on Fire podcast. And I saw him presenting at a conference last year, and he had this wonderful saying, which is, the conversion comes during conversations. And you see, if you don't have a conversation with your, uh, your prospect at some stage, whether it's virtual or face-to-face or through a live uh, session on Facebook or through a text chat on Twitter, it doesn't matter. But if you're not having conversations, your conversion will be the poorer for it. So you have to, have to do that. So with the KPIs for visibility, if you want to achieve visibility, your content has to be published on someone else's platform. You will not achieve enough visibility if you put all the content on your own platforms. You have Mm. to be a guest contributor. Therefore, the KPIs for me is simply that how many platforms or how many times you've been a guest on someone's blog, on someone's YouTube channel, on someone's podcast, on someone's conference, if you want to do face-to-face, still works very, very hard and so on. And literally, you itemize that and then you track, of course, the impact in terms of your website performance, in terms of your downloads, in terms of your conversion of your shopping basket and so on. The visibility is achieved by having your content published on someone else's platform. That's content marketing. So, so Pascal, um, let me ask you, in terms of a ratio, just, I mean, I know you, don't, you might not have the, uh, I'm putting you on the spot here as well. So apologies if you don't have the exact numbers right now, but as a sort of finger in the air sort of number, what sort of ratio of content on your own platform, say your own blog, your own, all that sort of stuff, would you say we should go with versus other people's? What should that ratio be for your own platforms versus other people's? 
Oh, that's very simple. I got the answer for, from an expert in, in, in that field called Jay Bear. Um, in 2009, I burnt out, which is quite an unpleasant thing to do. So I, I was creating too much content, publishing it on my platform, and I got myself really run, run out and to the point where I didn't want to do any more content, which is quite sure. awkward. You know, hi, my name is Pascal Fintoni. I hate the internet. It's really quite awkward. <laughs> so I didn't want to be it's there. And in a way, I want to also protect my customers from burnout, which is a real thing that can happen in, in the content marketing. And Jay Bear said it to me when I was, when I was uh, on, this, um, on the phone call. He said, it's very simple. 90% of your content that you've created should be on someone else's platform. And 10% goes on your website. Wow. That's I know. That was my reaction. situation for us. Yeah. I mean, that's my eyes are wide open. I think it brings us nicely onto this because, I mean, that's great to take loads of content, stick it on other people's platforms, you know, with their permission, obviously. <laughs> uh, and the cool thing about that is uh, that that allows you to really draw in their audiences. But one thing you talk about as well is reconnecting with your own website. So we've heard you use that phrase. What does that really mean? Well, that, that came about actually as I could see that my customers saw the website of data management as a chore. And therefore, they would try and find different ways and reasons not to do it, which is a problem because, you know, if your website is not updated to the point where it can, you achieve credibility, then you're not going to move, move people onto the funnel in terms of interactivity. So I looked at different ways to help my customers reconnect with, with the website. Now, typically, the reason why people will disengage is because the design phase, you know, the technical development phase was really, really arduous and, you know, went over time over budget and so on, which is, I think, almost part of the course. But by then, they are so fatigued and drained you know, by the whole experience that the, the, the website is no longer uh, friendly. It's almost like the, the, the enemy. It's the so, reminder of that awful experience, isn't it? It's like the flashbacks to some awful thing that's happened to you. Absolutely right, Kennedy. And, and that's why you know, I had to try and find a way because I said, well, that's a problem to me because I need, you to, I need a website to perform better. And yes. you are instrumental in that. You have to kind of do it with enthusiasm and positivity and so on and so forth. So a couple of things that I've tried, which have kind of worked um, by and large, one is to change the language. I said, you know, forget um, website updates and website management. As of today, you are a website content editor. That's your job title. And once you start to change the, the language, you can then change the, change the mindset and say, I need you to discover who you are as a content creator. I need you to discover your voice and I need you to understand what the spark is. What makes you want to update the website on a Friday night when all your friends are out and it's late and you're tired and you wish you had other things to do, but you have to update the website. And in a way, the prospect of doing that kind of uh, makes you smile. You look forward to it. We need to find a way for you to be kind of happy with that activity. And the only way you can do that is to be honest and connect with your style as a content creator. Yeah, that, that, that really would help. It's, it's almost like a little mind hack, isn't it? To try to mm. get yourself over that, almost like, like a therapy. Now, we want to dig into that in a little bit more detail in a second. But first of all, we've got a little game to play. Now, familiar listeners to the podcast will uh, will know what it's, uh, what's coming here. Um, and basically, what's going to happen? My co my colleague Kennedy here, hello, that's him, uh, is going to sing a song. So he's going to sing a song, but he's going to do it in the style of a traditional British club or pub singer. And so that means that some of the words may be disguised. And uh, your job, Pascal, is simply to listen and decide what you think the song might be. So we'll ask you at the end of this performance. All right. 
this palaver, I should say, at the end of this performance. <laughs> so, uh, Kennedy, uh, it's, a, it's a song that I think everyone will know. So, Kennedy, take it away. And a bird of geese and birds and heads of hunter. And a bean of huts and pain and pays of hunter. And I mean, I've, I've been to a few pubs, but I've never heard people sing like that before. You need to come to Newcastle. <laughs> <laughs> Any idea? Not, not whatsoever, sorry. Colin, <laughs> uh, Colin, our founding developer, sat here on his desk with his head in his hand. <laughs> Never a dull moment at Response Week. <laughs> Finally, we talk about reconnecting with your website and stuff and, and actually just making it more enjoyable and something people can look forward to. So what would you say your top couple of tips or tactics or maybe tools that will make website management more enjoyable rather than that thing that we try and avoid? Yeah, so I would continue with this idea of resetting the mind completely. So firstly, um, know yourself as a creator and be, be proud of you know, that strength and forgetting what you can't do. I think people spend far too much time looking at someone else's website, hoping they could do that too and not spend enough time developing their own style and talent. But secondly, know what I call your blogging clock. Know the time of the day and the day of the week to do good content. Mm. and just get on with it you know so if you're more of an early morning person where you you know from 6 till 10 a.m that's your time to craft good copy do that if however you're happy to edit you know until the early hours you know do that too and i'm also kind of thinking about employers you may be listening to the to this podcast if you have a team who are in charge of content you've got to talk to them and you've got to find a way to flex your kind of working practices around that blogging clock that's really really important i didn't do that in my um, kind of early days as a manager you know really my, my failure and i was kind of cracking the whip you know between nine till five because that's what you had to do back in the days and of course you know some of the team members just couldn't perform like that you know people can't just produce content because it doesn't suit really their their kind of blogging clock but the other thing is to kind of think about creating content as a series and seasons very much like they do on tv and kind of say to yourself right and um, there's a theme here or there's a problem and what i want to do is explore this problem thoroughly over a series of of, of articles or so rather of, than lots of sort of sporadic very shallow content you're talking about going quite deep into a particular area aren't you Correct, because what I ask people to do, so let's say if you're a wordsmith, you're going to be writing a number of articles about a particular challenge or an obstacle or a solution. But if you want to be trusted as an expert, experts can look at a problem from different angles and perspectives, not just a one-off. So back to be seen and heard being helpful. If you have five, six, ten different articles looking at different angles for a problem, that makes you an expert. More importantly, those articles are produced singly to begin with, but once it's, the series is, fi is finished, you can convert all that into a beautiful ebook, and that becomes your free download. So it's about repurposing as well and getting the maximum leverage out of each piece of content. I love that. So let's move into what we lovingly refer to as the quickfire round. Hey, you don't want to miss out on more of these fabulous nuggets, do you? Make sure you subscribe to the Three Marketers Podcast now on your podcast player. So here we go, Pascal. What would be a book that you recommend? Ah, oh, that's so hard. Um, 
All right. I'm going to keep away from filmmaking books because that's not the subject of today. So um, how about the very last one I read properly, thoroughly, and I actually got some ideas from, which is The Rise of the Youpreneur. The Rise of the Youpreneur by Chris Ducker. It's a good one. What's your top success habit? Something you perhaps do daily or weekly? I start the day with complete silence. <laughs> I don't um, uh, have the radio, I don't have my uh, phone, I don't look at Twitter. I, I give myself an hour or so to just plan the day, do what I've got to do pen and paper style, and then I kind of increase, if you like, the presence of technology um, over time. And I use the phone a lot. Uh, as an extrovert, I kind of recharge if I talk to people, and I ring my customers a lot. I don't do as many emails as I used to. And if I'm having a down day, I ring a pal and just, you know, kind of have a funny chat with them. And that helps me kind of keep up with the day. Who do you look up to? Steven Spielberg. Love it. Love it. <laughs> now, I know you mentioned that you like to start the day without any sort of phones and stuff. But do you have some favorite apps that you think are really super cool or really useful? Yeah. Um, so my go-to is really um, Flipboard, Flipboard for my content curation. I also have a um, an account with a platform called Content Gems, content and then gems as in the precious stones. And this essentially curates content for you, again, set of keywords and so on. And that helps me a lot. Um, I do like to do very simple uh, kind of videos and animations. I mean, obviously, uh, I tend to overcomplicate at the editing stage, but there's a wonderful app called Quick, Q-U-I-K, produced by GoPro, which will actually animate still photography, text and videos to music and so on. And it's just wonderful. Uh, big, big, important question. Who do you like more, Rob or Kennedy? Do you know... I don't think I can make a, um, make a decision today. What we need to do, the three of us, is go on a road trip. I would propose that we travel across the UK and France and eat and drink our way across you know, the, those two countries. And by the end of the trip, I'll give you my decision. I'm that in. sounded like some kind of weird reply from, uh, from Blind Date. <laughs> <laughs> now, Graham, it's over to you. <laughs> Pascal. <laughs> Oh, oh, Graham. <laughs> oh, I can't do the accent, it's terrible. Uh, finally, this has been so insightful. The amount of stuff we've they were furiously writing down about. Anyway, I know you've got so much more you could share than what you have in the last few minutes. Where can folks go to find out more about you, Pascal? It's dead easy. All they have to do is Google my name. There's only one like me. So if they Google Pascal and then a surname Fintoni, F-I-N-T-O-N-I, they have then the choice between my website, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and a few other places. And as I pointed out, I do like to receive phone calls so they can just grab the number for my website and get in touch with me. I love it. Of course, links to all of that will be over in the show notes. If you haven't been making notes throughout this, well, first of all, you're mad. But don't worry, because our Grace in the office, I'm going back to Silver Black again now. Our, has, Grace. our Grace has been taking all the notes that you could possibly need, which you can go and read the summary of over where exactly, Robert? They'll be at blog.responsesuite.com forward slash zero two nine. Lovely. Thank you ever so much, Pascal. It's been great to chat with you again. Thank you for, thank you for sharing. Oh, not at all. But before I go, what was the name oh. of that song? I'm pleased oh, well, you asked. I'm glad you remembered because we keep forgetting. Uh, <laughs> it was, in fact, it was, it, was, uh, it was Wonderwall by Oasis. Oh, wow. Okay. 
so that much content should be going on other people's platforms, not on your own platform that you've kind of all polished and perfected and got excited about, but on other people's stuff. That's a big... It is a massive mind-blowing moment. And actually, it's, since we recorded that interview with Pascal, it has led to a significant number of discussions here in the Response Suite office. Speaking of Response Suite, Robert... Yes, so right now you can still grab a free 14-day test drive of Response Suite so that you can start creating incredible surveys that increase engagement, get more people buying more of your stuff, which is, of course, what everybody wants. Uh, all you have to do is head over and grab it now at responsesuite.com. You'll be able to get in there, create your account in the next few moments, and actually start using this in your business. You will be able to do that. If you haven't already, make sure you do subscribe to this very podcast and do us a massive solid. Do us a favor. Give us a review. Leave us a review on iTunes or your favorite podcast player, and that will make us feel warm and fuzzy. And from next week, we'll start reading out some of your comments, some of your reviews, and give you a name check, a hello, and even mention your website as well. So thanks for doing that in advance. Yes. Now, uh, if you have missed anything or you want to catch up on some of what Pascal said, you can, of course, also check out the show notes, which you'll find over at blog.responsesuite.com forward slash 029. Other than that, we'll be right back here with yet another special guest. This time, same place, next week. Don't miss a thing. Check out the show notes at blog.responsesuite.com.